Good morning, everybody. Great to see you guys today. You guys glad to be here? Man, I definitely am. I love coming together to worship God on Sunday mornings. And I want to welcome you to the fifth and final week of this family series. Uh, We're going to wrap things up today. But before we get to the family stuff, I want to take a minute for a quick review. Um, First, I want to follow up on this series that we did back in August called Love Your Neighbor. I thought this was a great series because we didn't just talk about what the Bible says. Uh, We actually went out into our community to show God's love to our literal neighbors, the people who live right around us. And through this series, we had lots of love your neighbor challenges and projects. And at the very end, we were all challenged to get together with some neighbors and plan a block party. And I've been wanting to follow up and tell you how some of those block parties went. Uh, Over in my neighborhood in Darlington Creek, we had a really fun night. Uh, The main activity at our block party was a pizza-making contest. So everybody brought out their homemade pizzas, and we all sampled the different varieties. And I have to confess, I ate way too much that night. But you do what you got to do. It it was, you know, it's got to be fair. So uh, we all voted for our favorite, and when the ballots were counted... Uh, the, the winner got this big trophy, and unfortunately, the Hartleys came up empty this year, but we're going to do this again, and, and I, we're going to get it right. So my favorite part of the night didn't have anything to do with pizza. My favorite part was right there, just sitting around, talking, and laughing with our neighbors, you know, having these conversations that often don't happen because we're just too busy. We have too much going on. And so this was one of the main goals that we had, just building relationships, making connections with our neighbors. Uh, There were other block parties as well. Uh, A few weeks ago, Jonna DeVoto told me what they did, and I thought it was very cool, so I wanted to share it with you. Uh, Jonna hosted a pancake party for neighborhood kids, and she sent me an email about it, and check it out. Here's what Jonna said. The morning of Labor Day was gorgeous, cooler than it had been for days. We set up our table and chairs in the morning shade of the front yard, and we put out tiny pancakes and syrup and milk and strawberry, banana, and blueberry toppings. And it was an easy opportunity for good conversation. Watching the kids was our built-in entertainment. Uh, My son brought his childhood radio flyer wagon and gave rides to the kids. Uh, We also watched a soon-to-be one-year-old learning to play cornhole, and we just loved seeing those toys resurrected from the garage for the day. I'm guessing it looked like we were having a good time based on the smiles from others passing by on their morning walks and bike rides. And then Jonna said this, I want to thank you for presenting the challenge. I've wanted to get to know some of our neighbors better, but the challenge helped make it happen. And I'm told they have to really watch the little one now because when he gets out of the car, he wants to take off for our house. I just think that's super fun. And I really appreciated Jonna sharing that story with me. Uh, You might remember that at one point in this sermon series, we said, to love your neighbors well, you need to build genuine friendships with no strings attached. And no, it's not always convenient or easy to do that, but we've learned that it's certainly possible. And from there, we want to let God use us to bless our neighbors. Something else we said in that series, to love your neighbors well, be ready to tell your story. The story of how Jesus changed your life. You just look for opportunities to share that with someone who needs to hear it. 
So we want this to continue. We're, we're all praying that God would continue to use us long after that series is over. But that's a short update on Love Your Neighbor. Um, but I want to actually go back and look on 2023 as a whole. Uh, if you've been around Plum Creek over the past year, you know that uh, we, we chose a theme for this year. Uh, the theme is God's Kingdom Story. And as part of this theme, we spent four months going through the big story of the Bible from creation to Christ. And we saw that really the Bible tells one big story. It's the story of our great God and his great kingdom. There are a lot of uh, different elements and details in the story, but that's what it's really about. And uh, over the course of 16 weeks, we looked at uh, 16 major chapters or turning points in the Bible. We started out, the upper left there, the most high God, the God who has existed in, in, for infinity uh, before us and infinity after us. Then we looked at uh, the creation of the world and Adam and Eve and the old covenant and the new covenant and the coming of Jesus. And, and by the end there, we saw the story really doesn't have an end because God's kingdom goes on forever and ever and ever. And over those 16 weeks, we saw that we are not the main characters in the story. God is the main character, and he does invite us to be a part of his story. And when we accept that invitation, we've got a great future ahead. But now, to, to really make sense of God's kingdom story, we need to have a clear understanding of what we mean when we say the kingdom of God. And this is going to help us uh, before we get to the, the family things that we'll talk about today. Uh, so let's, let's get this definition. What do we mean when we say the kingdom of God? You remember the definition we've been using? Almost two years now. The definition is the kingdom of God is any place where God's rule and reign have truly begun. Wherever God rules and reigns, that's where you find his kingdom. And so, in one sense, God's kingdom is absolutely everywhere. Psalm 103, verse 19 the Lord has established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. So, yes, God is the ultimate king, and his kingdom rules over all. But when you look at our world today, and when you look at the history of the world, you see that not everyone acknowledges or recognizes God as king. That's been a trend and that trend started way back with Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit. They sinned against God. Basically, they pushed him off of his throne. And ever since that time, all of humanity has followed that bad example. Uh, we've all sinned against God. And every sin is an act of rebellion against him. Every sin brings more brokenness and pain into this world. And because of our sin and rebellion, we all deserve to be kicked out of God's kingdom. We deserve to be separated from God forever. But the amazing thing is, God never gave up on us. And why is that? It's because He loves us. He loves us like crazy, despite the fact that we're messed up. He wants us to be with Him forever, worshiping Him for eternity. 
And with that goal in mind, God made a way for us to be restored as citizens of his kingdom. And how did God do that? Well, to put it very simply, he did it through Jesus. When Jesus showed up, God's kingdom entered this broken world and all kinds of good things started to happen. Jesus was preaching the truth all over the place. He, he was bringing healing to people, both physically and spiritually. Jesus died on the cross. He became our perfect sacrifice. Jesus rose from the grave. He defeated death once and for all. And before Jesus left this world, he established the church. And he gave the church this mission to, to carry on his work, to spread the good news all over the world to all people. And that brings us here to the present. Here in our time, the true church is the true kingdom of God in the world today. Not everyone acknowledges God as king. But for those who have truly surrendered their lives to Jesus, we are the true kingdom of God. He calls us to be kind of a kingdom outpost. And so this calling goes far, far beyond just showing up at church once a week. God wants to partner with us to advance his kingdom into a dark world. We need to show the world what it looks like when God rules and reigns because things are very good anywhere God rules and reigns. So that is a very quick overview of God's kingdom story. And I don't know if you're aware of this, but our big theme for 2023 did not end with chapter 16 of that story. Uh, if you look at the main graphic, uh, there's a subtitle below the main title. The subtitle says, Know It, Live It, Share It. And you know what we mean by that, right? We need to know this story, and then we also need to live it out and share it with as many people as possible. So as we've gone through the year, some of our other series have tied right in with this. For example, Kingdom habits, that's what this is about. Uh, kingdom habits are spiritual disciplines that help us uh, step into our roles in God's kingdom. They help us follow Jesus more closely. Uh, these habits include things like reading scripture and spending time in prayer and um, being uh, generous with the resources that God has given us. So when you think about it that way, uh, put it next to that subtitle, know it, live it, share it. If you had to choose uh, from those three options, what would you say is the primary emphasis of that series? Know it, live it, or share it? It would have to be live it, right? Because these habits help us live out our role in God's kingdom. So now let's think about the Love Your Neighbor series. Uh, what was that one about? What was the primary emphasis? Know it, live it, or share it? Share it. Yeah, that was the main idea. But now, that brings us up to our current series, We Are Family. And over the past few weeks, we've covered a lot of ground. We talked about the church as a spiritual family. We talked about the importance of building your home on the solid foundation of Christ. We also set a goal that everyone in your home would be fully known and fully loved. We, talk about, we talked about God's design for marriage. We talked about what it means to be an intentional parent. That was last week. So how would you describe this series? What's the main emphasis? Know it, live it, or share it? 
I think you could make an argument that all three of these things need to happen in your home. That's true. But if I had to pick just one, I think I'd have to choose live it. And here's why. Our homes need to be a place where God rules and reigns. Just like the church should be a kingdom outpost, our homes should be a small kingdom outpost. And the more that happens, the more your family will be blessed. But that's not all. Uh, As God's rule and reign grows in your home, you will bring more and more glory to God. And at the end of the day, that's why we're all here. We were created to love God and bring Him glory, both now, in the present, and forever. In 1 Corinthians 10, we read this, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. In, just in that verse and lots of other places in the Bible, this is what we see. My life is not about me and my glory. My life is about God and His glory. And we struggle with this kind of thinking because we slip into this idea that I am the main character in my story. And everyone else plays kind of a supporting role. I was thinking about this a few minutes ago in terms of uh, this baseball player, Major League Baseball player, Shohei Otani. Anybody heard of him? He had an incredible year. He, he was a pitcher, and he was also a hitter. And there was a, game, uh, a day back in July where he, he played a doubleheader. He pitched, a, I think it was a no-hitter, is that right? And then he also, in the second game, hit two home runs. It's like unthinkable. So for a while, I was just really talking about Shohei Otani a lot. Like, can you, have you heard what this guy's done? It's just amazing. Kind of giving glory to Shohei Otani. But about a month ago, he got injured, he hasn't been playing, and uh, you know, who knows what the future brings. I haven't been talking about him as much because he is not the primary character in my life. Uh, my, my goal is not to give praise to Shohei Otani. I'll talk about him now and then, but really, I'm going to think about myself a lot more than him. And the reality is, we do kind of a similar thing with God. You know, at certain times, we're thinking, yeah, he's, God is great. Uh, God has done all these amazing things, but It shouldn't be an every now and then kind of thing. This should be every single day. He's the main character in my life. I'm the supporting character. God is not here to serve me. I'm here to serve God. Now, the title of today's sermon is Keep the End in Mind. And this is the end that we need to keep in mind. We exist to bring glory to God. This is the ultimate goal for every individual and every family, whether we know it or not. And one day, we're going to find out how we did with this goal. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus is teaching about the kingdom of God. And he tells this story. It's the story of a master who goes away on a long journey. And before the master leaves, he entrusts some of his wealth to three different servants. And the master expects each of these servants to be a good steward of what he's given them. So uh, the master leaves, and time passes, and eventually he comes back. And when he returns, he discovers that one of those three servants did a terrible job managing his money. A second servant did a pretty good job, but that third servant, he did an amazing job. And the master is very, very pleased. Look at what he says. He says, 
Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Now, when I say keep the end in mind, this is what I'm thinking of. Because in a very real sense, we're just like those servants. God made us, and God put us here, and he has entrusted certain gifts to us, certain talents, certain resources, and he's given us the responsibility to manage those gifts, not for our own benefit, but for his glory. And you know, one day, you will stand before God. If you're married, your, your spouse will stand before God. If you have children, one day each of your kids will stand before God. Everyone you know, everyone you've ever met is headed for that reality. And what could be better than to hear these words from Jesus? Well done, good and faithful servant. Come and share your master's happiness. I mean, come on. Hearing that, it would be far, far better than any temporary happiness or temporary success in this world. Uh, nothing in this world could compare to hearing Jesus say those words to you. And this is really, it's about looking at life from a very big picture perspective, an eternal perspective. So this is, this is helpful. This, it's, this is why it's helpful to step back and look at God's kingdom story as a whole. And then as, as we wrap up this series on family, what does that mean for us? in our homes. We know that we exist to bring glory to God. That's our ultimate goal. How can our families reach that goal? Well, I want to make this uh, practical. I want to think about this um, concept and apply it first to marriage. Let's say uh, you've got two married couples. Couple A is over here, and couple B, they're over here. And couple A, man, they're doing well. They're they're kind of living the American dream. Uh, They have a nice house. They have nice kids. They have enough money to buy nice things and go on nice trips. And if you ask this couple, they'd say they're generally happy in life and in marriage. Only thing is, they don't have much time or space for God. There's just too much going on. So based on that information... Uh, what would you say is the main goal for this couple? What's the point of marriage? What's, what's the point of parenting? What's the point of life itself? Well, from everything we know, we'd have to say for couple A, the main goal is happiness. They want to be happy. They want to raise happy kids. Uh, you know, they're having a decent level of success so far, based on what we see. But now let's go over to couple B. Things are rougher over here. Uh, both of these two, they, they grew up in rough families, and their parents gave them a horrible job. Uh, they did a horrible job of showing them what family should look like. They were not set up very well. And these days, they struggle in lots of different ways. They struggle financially. Uh, Man, they don't know if they're going to have enough money to make it to the next month. They also struggle relationally. They're they're trying to leave behind those bad examples that their parents left them, 
but it's not easy. They keep falling back into those old patterns, and, and there's a, a bit of conflict there. But let's say this same couple, this husband and wife, they recently gave their lives to Jesus. They found a life-changing relationship with Jesus. And these days, um, they still struggle in different ways, but they're also growing. And they're learning how to love like Christ. And they, they want to help other people find a life-changing relationship with Jesus. That's what they're about. They're extremely grateful for what God has done, and they want to respond to what He has done um, by showing Him glory. So now, from God's perspective, let's think about this. Which couple is building on a strong foundation? Easy choice, right? Despite the fact that this couple still struggles in a lot of ways, despite the fact that they are not living the American dream, um, you'd have to say, Couple B is more in line with how God says we should live. Now, here's the gut check. If you had to choose between these two couples, you, you could be one or the other, who would you pick? Who, who would you most want to be? Now, couple A over here, they, they look like they're in a good place, but they're not headed for that ultimate end of hearing Jesus say, well done, good and faithful servant. These guys over here, a couple B, that's where they're headed. So this is not some abstract discussion or illustration. This is where we are. We have to decide what are our lives really about. Is my life about me or is it about the one who created me for his glory? Am I, am I just making moves, trying to achieve happiness for myself, for, for the ones that I love? Or am I more about what God wants? You know, as some of you might be thinking to yourself, man, Doug, why are you so down on happiness? And uh, the, trust me, there's nothing wrong with being happy. I would much rather be happy than to be miserable. But here, here's the thing. If I want happiness for myself more than I want glory for God. I've made happiness an idol. My life really is about me. That's what I've made it. But that's not what my life is about, even if I try to live that way. Jesus said this. He said, for whoever would save his life will lose it. You know, these guys may have some happiness for a short amount of time, maybe years, maybe decades. But if you try to save life for yourself, you eventually lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Now, I love this last part here. You see that? Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. This is the irony. If you want true happiness, don't make happiness your main goal. If you want true happiness, let go of control of your life. Make your life about him. Put, put him in the center. So how do we do this? Uh, what does it look like for our families to live for God's glory? Well, there are several places in Scripture that would help us answer that question. Uh, one example would be what Jesus called the greatest commandments. Love God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. We talk about that one a lot. That's a great roadmap for life. But this week, I remembered a verse in the Old Testament. Micah 6, 8. In Micah chapter 6, the people of Israel are asking some serious questions. They're like, what's it going to take 
to satisfy God. How many animals do we have to sacrifice? What if we sacrificed our firstborn sons? Would that be enough? Would God finally be pleased with us? And then the prophet Micah answers on God's behalf, and, and listen to what he says. He has showed you, O oh man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. This is a powerful verse. It, it gives us a, a pattern for how to live. So three things, right? Number one, act justly. Now, that means you do what is fair and just to everyone in your life. If you're married, that includes your spouse. If you have kids, that includes all your children. Uh, it would also apply to a friend or a stranger or even to yourself. Basically, acting justly means you do the right thing to everyone all the time, which, of course, we struggle to do. And if we stopped right here, this would be kind of discouraging. But look at the second command on this list. Love mercy. Now, this is awesome because right here, we start to see God's heart. This English word mercy is translated from a Hebrew word, hesed. And hesed could be defined as unfailing kindness or steadfast love. This is God's kind of love. In the Bible, uh, hesed often refers to God's covenant love or His grace. So what does it mean for us to love mercy? Well, we need to think about this in light of that first command, act justly. When it comes to acting justly, as I said, we all fall short. There are many times where we just don't get that right. We're not really just. And because of that, it goes right back to that sin problem. It's rebellion against God, and we all deserve punishment. And our only hope is that someone will show us mercy. And that's why Jesus came. Jesus laid down his life on the cross. He took our punishment on his shoulders. And because of what he did, and because of God's unfailing kindness and steadfast love, we can have a restored relationship with him. When you turn your life over to Jesus, you receive mercy. This gift of forgiveness and eternal life. We don't deserve that. So when you receive that gift, the, the only response that makes sense is to say, God, thank you for this mercy that I don't deserve. And now, will you help me show that same mercy to others? Help me love mercy. Now, the Holy Spirit will teach us in this. He'll teach us how to receive grace and give grace. But that's a process we always have room to grow, and that's why we have the third part of Micah 6.8, walk humbly. That means we've got to lay down our pride and submit to God. You know, every single day, God will ask you to do something that requires humility, something that makes you have to swallow your pride. It could mean that you apologize to your spouse or your kids, or maybe God calls you to admit that you were wrong in some way, or, or maybe he asks you to do something that's really uncomfortable or even humiliating. And the big question is, will we be humble and submit to God? That's one of the things the Lord requires of us. And that's the general idea of Micah 6.8. Now we need to get specific. In our homes and in our families, 
There are many, many ways that we can apply this verse. I had thought of just a really small example. Uh, let's say uh, that you have kids. And let's say that one of your kids leaves an empty McDonald's cup on the floor in the back of the minivan. And let's say this same child also leaves a Happy Meal toy back there and a couple of candy wrappers and a couple of dirty socks. Now, in that situation, how could we apply Micah 6 8? Well, first, act justly. This child needs to understand that it is not just to trash somebody else's vehicle. So as a parent, it's appropriate to confront the situation and hand out some justice. I did, you know, give that child some consequences. At the same time, though, there's that second command, love mercy. That's also important for parents. So you can hold that child accountable, but you can also show grace. Maybe this time around, you don't give them the punishment that they deserve. On the other hand, though, if your child has been disobedient, maybe you've told them recently, <laughs> you can't do this, and they did it anyway. Or maybe they're disrespectful. They don't respond well when you bring it up. Or, or maybe they're dishonest. Like, they did it. And if you, could, if you got any of those things going on, disrespect, disobedience, or dishonesty, uh, it may very well be time. You need to get tough and lean on the justice side of things. So there's a tension between these things, right? Act justly, love mercy. And the truth is we don't always get that balance right. That's why we have the third one, walk humbly. Sometimes we have to say, God, I'm sorry, I got it wrong. Sometimes we have to say to our kids, I'm sorry, I got it wrong. That's just one little example. There are so many ways that you can apply Micah 6.8 in your home or in your family. Uh, let's, let's think about just a couple other ways. Go back to number one, act justly. You know, you can apply this inside your home, but you can also do it outside of your home. You could take your family, get together, and, and identify some area of injustice in this world. And, and you could find a way for your family to do something about it. That's one example. Or how about number two, love mercy. What's another thing we could do there? Well, how could your family help someone else experience God's mercy? goes back to what we said in that Love Your Neighbor series. Maybe you just connect with your neighbor, invite them to church. Maybe you tell that story of how Jesus has changed your life. And then number three, walk humbly. Sometimes it's just really simple. Maybe you pray a prayer like this one. God, what are the things you want us to change in our family? What are the habits you want us to stop? What are habits you want us to start? And so many ways to do this. And this is actually the last challenge that we have for this series. And you can accept this challenge no matter what your family situation is. If you're married or single, if you have kids, no kids, uh, whatever. You can apply Micah 6, 8. So let's do this. Let's pray through this verse and find a specific way to obey each of these commands this week, either inside or outside your home. And you can find this challenge along with every other previous challenge on our website, plumcreek.org slash family challenge. You can also get there by scanning the QR code on the screen or in your bulletin. And this is just a simple action step that can help us keep the end in mind. 
Man, our homes need to be a place where God rules and he reigns. And when that becomes a reality, we're just going to bring more and more glory to God. But don't forget the other side to this. The more God rules and reigns in your home, the more you and your family get blessed in the process. And it's, it's an amazing thing. When we live for God's glory, we experience blessings that we can't find any other way. I, I could go through a long list of those blessings, but I'll, I'll mention just one before I close here. When you live for God's glory, when you live with that eternal perspective, you have the ability to rise above any storm in your life. Here's what I mean. I, I know a lot of you have flown on a plane before, and I'm guessing that uh, some of you have had the exciting experience of taking off in the middle of a big storm. Does that happen to you? It's happened to me. And if you have experienced that, do you remember what it felt like? Do you remember speeding down the runway for takeoff with lightning and thunder around you, and then you get to that point where you're airborne and you're kind of bumping around, bouncing around? It's not fun. It's scary. And uh, you remember something else. When you reach that altitude where you're above the clouds, what happens? Everything changes. All of a sudden, you're in this place of calm, this place of peace. Storm is still down below you. But now, you can see the sun again. When you, when you were down on the ground, that sun was nowhere in sight. But the truth is, it was always there. You just had to get above the storm to see it. And that's what can happen when you put God in the center. You live for his glory. You live with that eternal perspective. That allows you to step back, see the big picture, and rise above the storm. So you can find that peace and that calm, no matter what's going on. No matter what's going on in your marriage. No matter what's going on with your kids. No matter what disappointments or hurts you face in life. Storm may be going on below you, but you can rise above all of that. When you know that the Most High God is on His throne, and when you know that His kingdom will go on forever and ever, and when you know that you have been adopted into His family, you are a citizen of His kingdom because you have accepted the grace and mercy that only comes from Jesus, and when you're living this life just waiting to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant, when all of these things are true, you've got real hope, real peace, real joy, and no one can take it away. We exist to bring glory to God, and when we live for God's glory, we, we experience blessings that we can't find any other way. And that's my prayer for you. That's my prayer for your family. Let's pray. Lord, you know us. You know how easy it is for us to just see that small perspective. You know how easy it, us, easy it is for us to put ourselves in the center of the story. But Lord, will you just remind us, remind us of the big picture, remind us where we belong in this story and where you belong, most importantly. And help us, Lord, to truly live for you. Help us, Lord, to help others see who you are. Help us bring glory to you so that others can find that same hope and peace and joy. 
I pray that this would happen for us individually and in our families and as a church. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.